This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk, it is the Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Brett, Jeff Stein joining us a little bit later on this hour in the 4 o'clock hour. Greg Bakken's going to come on by. We're not talking aliens or Bigfoot, though. We're talking Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Uh, Brett, how are we today? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing okay outside of I'm I'm kind of hectic. Uh, I'm taking some days off here, trying to get some stuff done. Uh, Todd Mickelson is our he's the he's the bullpen. We he's the he's the closer we call in when when I'm not around. He'll be here. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He's here tomorrow and Friday. Correct. Yep. And then on Martin Luther King Day, we have a special treat for you on MLK Day. Not only do we have that great interview from the holidays with the Penn Center, which is just an amazing historic site uh, in regards to the African-American community uh, and Martin Luther King himself. But as well, we have uh, that John Fugel sang hour we had, we, where we had the, or he was with us for about a half an hour, but uh, that, the hour we had with John Fugel sang, that's going to be airing as well. So good stuff for you coming up here in the next few days. I'm back on Tuesday at that point, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. A big, just if I may, to specifically the, the listeners in Chicago, be careful because this third snowstorm, it sounds like it's a doozy and it's going to smack right into you. And it looks like you're going to get a substantial amount of snow over there in Chicago. Minneapolis, St. Paul, not so much. So, in fact, uh, we have got uh, the most vicious dusting you've ever seen today, while everyone else is basically, you know, underneath, you know, 400 you know, feet of snow. Uh, it is a wicked, a wicked dusting, I will say. Um, it's it just, they've just missed us. <laughs> we've just not had them here. Uh, so be careful. Um, I, I found out my mom, who lives down in South Carolina, has a tree in her house now. It's a lovely addition. Uh, th- th- did you see what that's, that first of the three storms? We're in the second one right now, I believe. The first of the three storms, did you see what it did down in the southeastern United States? A little bit, yeah. It kind of became this massive line of storms. And I mentioned this yesterday. 75% of Florida counties have emergency declarations right now. Uh, my mom lives in South Carolina and a delightful tree. Like I said, it's 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 the it's the giving season. Um, and yeah, she's got that in her living room right now. So <laughs> kind of dealing with that. Yeah, that's that's not fun to get everyone to get off. Get rid of that thing. I've, I, this is a, these are nasty storms. And you're getting, th- you know, like I said, three in a row. It, it uh, kind of sucks to be Kansas, but well, that's kind of par for the course. Uh, <laughs> Why am I doing that? I mean, we got fine listeners in Kansas. I don't know why I'm they doing that. They elected Brown back. They yeah, get, uh, yeah, you kind of whoever else down there. You know, it, it, there's that one county where they arrested. They went and ransacked yeah. the newspaper. You guys got to clean your act up. I mean, let's just be honest about you. I don't even want to get into Oklahoma. 
Matt's tra- it's Matt's trash talking day, which, by the way, leads us into I'm not going to talk that much about this. But if you missed what was Hunter Biden trolling the GOP House, oh, my God. So today they were going to have a hearing where they were all upset. They were all upset because Hunter Biden has blown off their subpoena. And because in, in, in case you don't know, Hunter Biden doesn't want to testify in private. He wants to testify in public. The Republicans are terrified because they can't spin public com- you know, public testimony. They can't spin it. And, and what's happening right now is they will go into a private meeting, come on out, run to Fox News, run to Newsmax, run to OAN, uh, AON, or whatever the name, that the, 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 the other right-o place. They'll run to those places and start screaming. It's like, we've got all the evidence. It's right here. It's all the evidence. And then 20 minutes later, they release, well, there really wasn't any evidence. We didn't have any evidence at all. But they are allowed to come on out and put that first narrative out because they know their listeners, their supporters, don't care about the follow-up stories. They just want to hear that first story that Hunter Biden's guilty of murdering 90 people or something like that. That's what they want. And so they don't – well, at least – okay, can I just say this? At least that's why I thought they wanted to do it. So what happens today is they're going to have this, you know, they're going to, they're trying to hold him in contempt for denying a subpoena, which by the way, funny story, three people on this committee that are trying to do this also ignored congressional subpoenas themselves. Three Republicans refused to testify and their argument is, well, that was political theater. This is legit. (laughs) It's, it's, It's already a debacle. Hunter Biden just whipped, you know, pulls up in front of Congress, runs into the building with his lawyer, and sits down. And so clearly they were ill-prepared for this. At no point did they in think. It starts off with Nancy Mace, who is, you can tell, is fuming that he's actually there because she has this, not because it's it's she's she's scared. She has a speech all ready to go to call him a coward for not being there, which she still used as he's all right there. You don't have the guts. Now, she didn't say guts. She said cojones or a version of it, like she's trash talking on a basketball court. This was, once again, the Congress. She basically, and demanded he was arrested. She goes, I'm for law and order. That's why I'm demanding your immediate arrest right now and put you in jail. Okay, yeah, all right. They were so upset when Madge started to question him. He basically got up and walked away. He just stood up in the middle of the hearing and left. And they were furious. But what I I, I think Comer, and I'll talk to Stein about this coming up here. What I think Comer is doing is breathing a heavy sigh of relief. Because what I think Hunter Biden really did is show how out of bounds crazy it would be if you actually do this in public. Because if Nancy Mace, who she's a little clown car herself, but she's not Marge, she's not Madge. She, if she went off the rails, can you imagine what Marjorie Taylor Greene would have done? And that the entire thing was... A roid raging Marjorie Taylor Greene decided to hulk out and break the podium she was sitting at 
as she demanded that we immediately draw and quarter Hunter Biden. And wait, here's some more. Here's some more uh, sex pics of him. I can only imagine. You saw, she said she showed more uh, nude photos of him today. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> like I said, and and that came. By the way, I have zero doubt in my mind that that came. She said it wasn't pornography, and then she showed the pornography. This is it's the reason why Comer and the rest of the Republican leadership in the House don't want this in public is they know that it would not be about Hunter Biden at the end of the day. It would be about this disgrace that is the House GOP and how they have basically how far they've fallen. Because because let's face it, that's 90 percent of the GOP today only is concerned about their Twitter followers and Twitter trolls. That's all they're concerned about. Like I said, if you did not see that, holy God, it's hilarious. And by the way, kudos to Hunter Biden for not only exposing the GOP for the frauds that they are, but basically just pantsing them in public by doing this. And his his entire argument is, hey, I'll testify in public anytime you want me to. Now you know why the Republicans don't want this in public is because – it would make them look far worse than it would make Hunter Biden look. 952. They're livid today. I mean, it is like it's like, a, you know, a cat got into the monkey cage. I mean, that's what it is. They're just going crazy, jumping all over the place, making tons of noise. I mean, it is, they, they, you know, it's <laughs> diarrhea's hit the howler monkey exhibit and they just don't quite know what to do. <laughs> it is. That's about the best definition. Explosive diarrhea has hit the howler monkey exhibit. That is the House GOP as we speak right now. By the way, we should mention earlier in the day, the Speaker of the House uh, basically made a plea with the House House leadership to stop trolling him online. God, this whole thing is just a joke. Nothing gets trolls to stop more than telling them to uh, stop. Hey, guys, stop with the bullying. Yeah, they'll get right on that. Here's Nancy Reagan to talk about how bad those drugs really are. <laughs> ah! uh, 952-946-6205. It is, no, that is, that you know, as, as Nancy May says, you don't have the cojones to be here. Dude, what he did, there's no one in the GOP that comes close to Hunter Biden. Oh. Uh, Nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Hey, I gotta bring up this story because I thought that this story, uh, it's it came from a local news source up here in Minnesota, but it, it actually is something that applies nationwide. And the reason why it was reported up here is because of we we want to talk about a little bit about regressive tax systems. Regressive uh, taxes basically mean that through your taxes, and it's not just your property taxes and your income taxes, but a big one is sales tax in a state or user fees, um, which you can't get a, get away from. Uh, so, you know, it, it's what you get is you get th- these people that put the, these, these, you know, these lists together and they say, who exactly in each of these states is paying their fair share of taxes? And states where the middle and lower class are paying far more than the, the, the richest people are regressive. Progressive states, when it comes to taxes, are the ones which have a more equal tax system. The reason why this story came up is because Minnesota has the best progressive tax system in the country right now. 
Poor households pay the least amount of taxes as a share of their income, according to a new report released on Tuesday. The Institute of Taxation and Economic Policy, a liberal-leaning think tank, releases an analysis every five years that ranks state tax systems progressively. The nonprofit's latest report found Minnesota's tax system trails only behind Washington, D.C. for having the lowest tax burden placed on the lower and middle class relative to the wealthy. Minnesota has a steeply progressive tax uh, income tax, which has contributed to Minnesota moving from 47th least regressive to 50th. Married Minnesotans who file jointly and make up to 46000 a year in income are taxed at a 5.35 rate, while married Minnesotans who file at a 9.85 rate on income over 321000 So basically, you're paying a fairer share of your rate. Now, this is one of the reasons why, and one of the things I want to make sure we talk about really quick here. Well, I got to get into the break, but really quick before I go in the break. There's a reason why Republicans constantly don't talk about the percentage of tax you're paying. They only talk about, well, this wealthy person had to pay this amount of money. Because if you actually put it in a percentage, you realize how little they're paying. Because some of these states, it's amazing how little the wealthy pay in taxes in some of these states. We'll take a break. Come back. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Billboard, baby, do a leap and make them dance when it come on. Everybody looking for a dance floor to run on. It is the Matt McNeil Show on your Wednesday. Good to have you with us today. 952-946-6205. So once again, um, the this, this story comes on out. They've ranked the tax systems of individual states, and they rank them, which is more regressive, which once again, regressive taxes mean the middle and lower class are paying a far larger share of percentage of their income than the wealthy people are versus – and once and this includes like sales tax, all the taxes – because that's one of the little tricks some of these states try to get around is we don't have an income tax. Yeah, but they've got an, a nine cent in, you know, sales tax on everything that you have to buy. So it, it really is you know, you're getting that really those sales taxes have a tendency of really impacting the lower class particularly. Progressive tax systems are one where it's a much more equitable system where everyone pays their fair share, which heaven forbid we do that. And by the way, let me make sure you understand something. Republicans can't stand this sort of of, of a progressive tax policy. The entire system they want is based on that the wealthy people, they get money. They don't pay money. They get just a massive wheelbarrow full of cash every year as a thank you for being wealthy, and the rest of us have to pay for it. I mean, that's when you look at the W-era tax cuts, the Trump-era tax cuts, we were running a deficit. Henceforth, you didn't have extra money to give as a tax break, which means you went and borrowed money from China, just gave it to wealthy people and said, thank you very much for being wealthy. And then when the bill came due, you looked at the middle and lower class and said, I guess we have to get rid of Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare, and everyone's taxes got to go up. That is what they do. Minnesota, once again, ranked as the best state in the nation in regards to progressive tax. Kentucky, though, uh, has worsened its equity ranking over the past five years. Kentucky, since 2018, implemented a flat income tax rate and lowered corporate taxes. These two changes especially benefited wealthy families. Because once again, as the, the whole lie about the flat tax is that basically it's a way for wealthy people to pay a dramatic amount less than they would have to pay in usual circumstances. 
The Minnesota higher tax rates and the top of the income scale allow it to generate revenues while taxing low and middle income families at lower rates than Kentucky. Florida, here are your most regressive states. And I got bad news for the listeners in Chicago here because you're about to hear Illinois. Worse is Florida than Washington, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Illinois, Arkansas, and Louisiana. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Number eight, Illinois. They have the most regressive tax, which means the burden for the middle and lower class in Illinois is dramatically higher than the burden for the wealthy. These states heavily rely on revenue from a regressive sales tax. That's And that's it. And once again, Republicans don't want you getting the whole picture. They just don't. They don't want you looking at this in regards to the sales tax as part of the tax system. And and what they argue is, well, then you don't have to buy anything. You just can exist without food and gas and also clothes and things. That And that's how they think. I mean, and you think I'm joking. That's exactly how Republicans think. They will say, well, the sales tax is only something that's implemented when you buy something. So if you just don't buy things, that's that's you're not getting taxed. So if you're getting taxed on the sales tax, that's on you. The problem with that is the sales tax is on everything that you need to survive. Meanwhile, many of these states, and I don't know what Illinois' situation is, but I can tell you, A lot of these states have massive tax discounts for second vacation homes, yachts, private jets. You don't have to pay anything for those. Doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. The guy that can afford a private jet, he pays the least percentage of his income in taxes than the poorest person in the state. It doesn't make a lot of sense. These 10 states, their poorest residents at rates uh, averaging three times higher than wealthy residents. So once again, I want to make sure we understand this. In Florida, in Washington, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Illinois, Arkansas, and Louisiana, the poorest residents are taxed at a rate three times higher than the wealthiest residents, according to the report. In Florida, low-income families pay nearly five times more in taxes as a portion of their income compared to wealthy families. God. Florida is just one messed up state, man. Florida pays, if you are poor in Florida, this has nothing to do with Joe Biden, has nothing to do with Democrats because Republicans run the state of Florida. If you are in Florida and you are poor, you're paying five times more of your income as a percentage, than the wealthiest people in the state. And who do they call lazy? You. Who do they call moochers? You. They're laughing their way all the way to the bank. There's a, there's a cartoon out there, and I've always enjoyed this cartoon because it sizes up the Republicans' mentality towards you know, taxes with cookies. And it shows this one wealthy guy with a massive pile of cookies. And there's one guy on his left with one cookie. And there's another guy on his right with zero cookies. And the guy with the big pile of cookies looks at the one guy with the one cookie and says, looks like you better stop him. He's trying to get your one cookie. As he hoards all the cookies. 
Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, I saw this, by the way, I saw this story in conjunction with another story today where it said 92% of all, ta- of all stocks right now in this country are owned by the wealthiest 10% of Americans. And that is, in, in, that is just a, you know, all these companies got this money back in COVID and stuff like this. All they got these, they went and just took that money and bought back their stocks. And now they own that's it's that they've got they've prevented their stocks from being held by people who are not worthy of it. And it protects them. Their corporation is insulated that way. But at the same time, it's a consolidation of wealth. And I guarantee you, Republicans are probably trying to figure out some ways like, well, the company owns 90 percent of its stock. They should never get taxed. I'm going to guess that's kind of working out right now. Florida, once again, five times. If you're poor, you're paying five times the percentage on your taxes than the wealthiest. Minnesota has a high ranking, uh, a progressive tax rate because of a combination of factors, tiered income tax rates, high capital gains in corporate taxes, and a circuit breaker program on property taxes. In-person property tax level gets too high relatively to their income. They're given a refund for the excessive amount they pay. Minnesota's property tax refund program is better than most states, Davis said. It may be the least regressive among states, but it's not a great achievement since other states are extremely regressive in their tax system. So it's basically we get a, you know, it's like grading on a curve. Uh, We got like a C plus B minus here in Minnesota. But since so many other states are failing, we look like we're geniuses. You know, that's that's kind of the system. I mean, and then you've got, you know, basically Florida in the corner eating a tub of paste. (laughs) If I'm lying. Um. This is what an average state looks like. They're, they're having a less regressive tax code. Isn't necessarily a whole, saying a whole lot, said the author of this article. Yeah. You're getting, you know, in most states, you're getting jobbed if you're middle and lower class on taxes. We'll take a break. Come on back. we got like, a lot to get to with Stein when we do return. Don't be so easy and make it hard. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Jeff Steins, our national and presidential expert, noted author. Find his books over at uh, your favorite book location, totallyiowa.com. Next chapter books here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, you can always find, of course, his Iowa Politics Report and the Iowa Business Report coming from his flagship station. It's KXEL, Cedar Falls, Waterloo. How much snow have you guys gotten down there, Jeff? Oh, my goodness. Good afternoon, Matthew. Good afternoon. Of all, uh, I think the high spot was 15 <laughs> inches in Iowa City. Uh, the low spot was like eight or nine. That was all in one day. The thing to remember is mild winter here, right? We had 50 degrees on Christmas day. Yes. So the Republican circus for the caucuses comes to town. We get 15 inches of snow one day. There's another two forecast for tonight, six to eight more on Friday. So we're going to get all the snow for the winter in one week. A high temperature on caucus day is forecast to be about three degrees below zero. That's the high temperature. That's God telling you something. 
That's God With telling you something. With all the hot air of these candidates, <laughs> you'd have thunk we could have hit, I don't know, five above. But no, uh, apparently it's going to be below zero. So God's up there saying, I guess I have to send a message. All right, fine. Uh, we and, okay. And meanwhile, everybody in Des Moines is looking up going, if only we had a message. <laughs> By the way, should mention, we've, all, we've had all pretty much wicked dustings of snow up in Minneapolis. You guys have far Ooh. more snow than we do. Yeah, you guys are you – know, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. The wicked dusting. A wicked wicked dusting. A wicked dusting. Let's start with the caucus because we are not going to talk to you again until uh, next Wednesday. The caucus is on MLK Day Monday, right? The caucus is Monday. Monday night starts at 7 o'clock for Democrats and Republicans. Nearly 1,700 locations for each party. One for each precinct across the state. Doors are locked at 7 p.m. and then the fun begins. Um, and can you, you have to be a registered Republican and a registered Democrat? Is that is that a law in your state? Yes, you have yeah. to be a registered voter and be registered for one of those two parties. By the way, the Libertarians are having their caucus as well. So really, there's another party that's having a caucus. Uh, and you have to show a voter ID. But you could register to vote on site. You can change your registration on site. So okay. it's pretty simple to do. Okay. Um the I mean, Trump's going to win. The, I mean, there's no point. I mean, Democrats, that's that's set. But Republicans, I mean, Trump's going to win it. How much do you think it's going to be? Do you think it's going to he's going to hit that 50 point threshold? Oh, boy, that is the big question, isn't it? Because uh, only twice in history has the winner gotten above 40 percent. And the last time was with W back in 2000. So if Trump gets 46 percent, that's a record. Mm-hmm. For the Iowa caucuses, if he were to get 50, that's an optic, isn't it? And I look back, uh, somebody from a national outlet a- asked me for some wild prediction, I think, back in November. And I said Trump would be at 45 to 50. And I and I still think so. I, You know, I, I don't want to go too far. I, I don't think he's going to get 50. I'll just tell you, I don't think he's going to get 50. I think it's going to fall short of 50, primarily because of the fact that his base loves to go vote for him, but they're not used to the partisan process of sitting down, declaring to be a Republican, et cetera, on caucus night. And so I think his number is going to be lower than what the polls may show, but not by much. Well, it was funny because you bring up that, remember that article from the New York Times about church going in Iowa and all these people who are evangelicals, but they don't go to church. Going to church is the, the step. It's kind of the same thing. I'm a proud Republican, but you want me to go to a building and sit down and actually do it? Well, I mean, there's, there's a football game Monday night between the Eagles and the, the Tampa Bay. I don't want to miss that sort of thing. Oh, boy, the Eagles and, and Tampa Bay. Uh, well, and the thing is, too, to your point, you said, well, I'm a good Republican. I may not want to go out in this. A lot of the Trump supporters are not Republicans. Yeah. They're Trumpicans. They're there for Trump. They're not there for down ticket. And so while he's out there pleading for them to show up, because what if he did get 50 percent as much or more than everybody else combined? That's quite a knockout punch. Although I well, thought you'd start by asking me about the end of the Christie juggernaut and uh, the impact of that on the race. Well, that's not. I mean, is any Christie follower going to vote for any of them? Maybe, maybe Nikki Haley picks up one or two of them, but that's about it. Um, well, I think the story is that at the top of the next hour, four o'clock Central Time, he's going to make an announcement from New Hampshire, where apparently he's going to get out of the race. I don't know why. And they don't know if he's going to support anyone. But you have to think if he's going to support anybody, it'd be Haley. And and I could see why he might do it now, because the big issue beyond Trump's margin is, does Haley beat DeSantis in Iowa? 
and does. And the DeSantis people, when I say this, they lose their mind and I get flamed on Twitter X and the whole bit. But if DeSantis does not finish second, show me his path. He doesn't. Well, because no, if the polls are to be believed, she is way ahead of him in New Hampshire. And then you go to South Carolina. So I'm just innocently asking if DeSantis finishes third in Iowa, show me his path. It, what number, at what point does this, at what percentage for Nikki Haley be, does Nikki Haley became a major headache for Donald Trump in Iowa? Because as you just said, she's doing well in New Hampshire. She's going to do very well in South Carolina. If all mm-hmm. of a sudden she's expected to be beat by 50 and it ends up being 30, it ends up being 25, you know, still a solid win for Trump in Iowa, but Nikki Haley outperformed, you know, as well as I do, the way these presidential races go, it's all of a sudden the shiny new dime. And, you know, that could end up, you know, if, if all of a sudden Nikki Haley does outperform herself in Iowa, I, I got to imagine it's going to be, you know, a full scale war between Trump and Haley. It will not take much for it to go to full-scale DEFCON whatever number. And I don't think it's so much this time of the number as where she finishes. So just presume for the sake of argument that Trump finishes 45 to 50 percent, and it doesn't matter where. I mean, yes, 50 is a nice optic. It's, It's the placing. And I don't care if Nikki Haley beats Ron DeSantis by a single point. He's going to still move along. If it's a single point, but let's say that she beats DeSantis by five points. Well, that's establishing her as the next uh, as the logical non-Trump candidate. So I don't know if it's so much, Matt, of what number she needs to get. It's the placing. And if she is the firm second place choice in Iowa, you think she's got money to burn now. Yeah. No, they'll, they'll, imagine. there'll be a ton of money going to her campaign uh, at yep. that point. So, uh, all right. So that that's coming up Monday. We'll have a full recap of things coming up on Wednesday of next week about that. We got to go to if there's anything left of me by then. Okay. Oh, there with you'll be you'll have two full days to recover. Uh, oh, sure. yeah. Two full days to recover full days. from a late Monday night event. Oh. Okay, sure. Sure. We'll call you in the ICU. Uh, we can set up the camera in there. All right. So speaking of the ICU, Hunter oh, Biden just wow. did a drive-by on the GOP in the House, and I don't think they're going to recover anytime soon. I got to admit, so today, and I set this up a little earlier, the GOP was going to have their 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 hearing to hold Hunter Biden uh, in contempt of Congress because he didn't show up for a subpoena. He says he doesn't want to show up unless it's testifying in public. They're saying we're not going to do that, and that's the case. Well, he su- he clearly surprised the living daylights out of the Republicans by wheeling on in there and plopping down, and it didn't go well from there. It starts off with Nancy Mace, who once again is supposedly one of the more reserved Congress people trash talk trying to trash talk him like it's a basketball court but she was so callous in her attack she just read the attack she had that he he was not going to be there you don't have the guts to be here as he's sitting right in front of her she then basically makes this whole thing about i'm for law and order that's why i'm for just arresting you immediately and throwing you in jail without any recourse and i'm like wow I think, first of all, your thoughts on Hunter Biden and this this ploy, because he sure, I don't know if it helps him legally or anything like this, but he sure as heck, through the House GOP, as I said, 
that just became a howler monkey exhibit with 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 explosive diarrhea because they just there is nothing they can do right now. I'm supposed to follow that image. Yes, you are. We're professional right. broadcasters, for God's sake. Oh, howler <laughs> monkey with diarrhea. Okay. Got to remember, I'm I'm eclectic. <laughs> okay, so here's here's there's a nuance to this that the Biden side is taking advantage of in oh, yeah. the court of public opinion. Okay, here's the deal: when you're an investigative agency, here are the rules. And Congress, in a just this is no different than what the J6 committee did or anybody else did. We invite you in under oath in a deposition, and it's just between us. And then if there is something that warrants going through a full-blown everybody's watching kind of hearing, then we'll call you back. That's no different than if you're on trial for a crime and there are witnesses. The attorneys, the prosecutor and your defense attorney, they interview the witnesses in sworn depositions outside of court to see what they're going to say because you don't want to expose an innocent party to the histrionics of a jury trial unless you have to and so that's why they do and so the rules are the same for everybody and the house said we want to do a deposition behind closed doors just like we do for everybody else and he said no it has to be public which i understand why because he's afraid of leaks and selective leaks etc so The subpoenas go out, and then he gets indicted on new charges. What attorney, and he had them flanked on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There was Abby Lowell and uh, Mr. Snappy Sportcoat. I don't know his name, but uh, Sharp Dresser. Well, in any event, the lawyer is going to say, there are pending charges. You plead the fifth. There's no way you answer any of these questions. That's how it would work. Mm-hmm. So instead, they try to hold him in contempt for not showing up. And then he gets there today and a Democrat rep says, you want him to testify? He'll do it right now in front of God and everybody. And here's where the mis- the Republicans made a mistake. They should have said, step right up. Oh, they should have. Well, OK, because because OK, I want to go back to one thing you said there about yes, why they're doing it in closed doors. I actually think the reason they want to do this in closed doors is exactly what we saw. Here comes Marjorie Taylor Greene. And Comer has to thank Hunter Biden because if Nancy Mace went off the rails as bad as she did, can you imagine (laughs) what Marjorie Taylor Greene was about to do just to scream? And that entire process, if, if I was Hunter Biden, I would have stayed and let it become the absolute clown show that it really is and have everyone in the country saying, what in the world is going on? This is the most you know, embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life because that's where Marjorie Taylor Greene was going to go with it. You, that's the craziest part about the whole thing is that he called them out. And then basically almost threw Comer a, 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 a bone by basically saying, well, I'm going to – and when he stepped out, how angry all these Republicans were. Like, how dare you disrespect us? You know, the, by the way, three guys, three guys on that committee also did not take up a subpoena and argued they didn't have to, and now they're trying to hold someone else to do it. It is just such – Hunter Biden played that perfectly. And now they're no, he did. He he, he did. He because you're here's the thing. You can't do showing up by showing up and calling their bluff. That was perfect. Yes. I think a little of the body language was a little arrogant. But okay, I'll give you that. Because, again, you know, uh, it, it was a masterful stunt because then this is the broad point. 
that we were talking about. In a realistic context, nobody is going to testify when there's a pending criminal indictment. Exactly. He's going to take the Fifth Amendment to everything, including probably his name, simply so that nobody can say anything against him. That's why the Republicans missed the opportunity today. They should have said, all right, young man, step right up, have a seat, put your left hand on the Bible, right hand in the air, let's go. Because then, on public display, you would have had him taking the fifth to everything. And nobody looks good when you take the fifth, but, although in this case, he has to. But he, the problem was they were already going off the rails because he sure. did incense them so much they just became Twitter <laughs> trolls. Now, here's where he did make the mistake in that this is not going to help. You know, there's, this is kind of cut and dry. You can't, as a test a witness say whether it's public or not that's they're going to come back and that's where he's going to get in trouble but the reality is is he should have stayed because that was never going to become an an episode of law and order there that was always going to just it was going to digress more the fact that nancy mace like i said was screaming at the top of her lungs and trying to trash talk him at the end it would it just it showed you exactly where it was going to go and i don't think anyone on the republican side was going to be able to bring that back in I think it was more of a mistake on his behalf. I'll tell you what. Let's take a break. Come back. Talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, Trump uh, basically refusing to attack the judge in his closing statement. So now he's not going to be making the closing statement. Jeff Stein joining us for his usual Wednesday visit. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here. Broadcasting on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk and 8 AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Jim Jordan is out there right now, Jeff, trying his hardest to make sure he's outraged. And the first thing people are pointing out to him is like, didn't you disobey a subpoena? <laughs> like I said, it's, it's a masterful strike because by basically saying, OK, let's see the high ground you guys are really on. I mean, Comer, I got to imagine, is like wants nothing to do with this. At this point, I mean, the idea of you have a bunch of people who are far more concerned about their Twitter followers than actually getting down to the even if there was a crime, the nitty gritty of the crime. They just it's not about that at all. It's about likes and retweets and that and and OAN and Newsmax hits. That's it. And this is Hunter Biden just played that, you know, said, hey, fine, I'll just I'll play to your weakness. Well, and again, I don't think it looks good for Hunter Biden to take the fifth in a public hearing, but he called their bluff. He dared them to bring him forward and um, because that would have been a campaign op-a-wad, just kind of clip those together a hundred times. But you're right. I mean, there, there's, there's a real problem with the Republican caucus. I mean, you've already got people now, Chip Roy's talking about throw uh, Mike Johnson out as speaker because they don't like the deal that was struck. To keep the government open. I mean, here we go again, dysfunctional city, just a different year. Well, Mike Johnson today is he's he's demanding the GOP colleagues stop cyberbullying him. Oh yeah, that's 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 gonna work. <laughs> it's, it's, but you know, if <laughs> and I'm not one to talk, but as people watching the video of this fun fest can attest, but if you would have taken a picture of Mike Johnson and put underneath Representative most likely to claim cyberbullying, 
That's the guy. I mean, he, he's just got this look that they're going to beat up on him. He's like, eh, don't, don't do this to me, please. Don't hit I'm me. sorry. I was doing an impression, and that's your gig. You do impressions <laughs> on your show. I, I just respond to them. I apologize. Oh, no problem. No, you're more than welcome to try that anytime. Uh, all right. So uh, <laughs> before we get out of here, because it has been a busy yes. day, Trump was going to try to argue his closing arguments in the New York fraud trial. Uh, the judge has rescinded his permission to do so. It basically comes down to this is that he was he refused um, to basically not attack. You know, he said that basically a you cannot do this in regards to make this a political speech and you can't just attack the court. And he refused to agree to those terms. And so he says, I'm not going to let you go up there. I, it's, I, I don't know. I, I think once again, if you're a Trump fan, you would have looked at that and said, isn't he the greatest ever? If you were I mean. If you were not a Trump fan, you'd be like, once again, another embarrassment. The reality is, is I think if I was the judge, I would say, go do this. I will hold you in contempt and put you in jail that in a minute if you do this. And then Trump himself would have bailed out on it. He wouldn't have done it because he doesn't want to risk that. Now, what I saw was that Trump had asked that this be delayed so that he could attend to his grieving wife who just lost her mother. And the judge declined to grant the request. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds bad until you consider that Trump, instead of attending to his grieving wife, is in Des Moines tonight to do a Fox News town hall yep. where he negotiated the terms. The others this week have been at five o'clock central during a certain uh, the, the special report time that Brett Baer hosts. Bear was on my station uh, this week and said Trump insisted on the time he would not do the town hall unless it was opposite the CNN debate. And they took him up on it because, you know, why not? So you can't say to a judge, I have to attend to Melania after I'm in Des Moines campaigning. Yeah. I mean, that. Well, and the judge, when the judge heard that, he said, I'm sorry, but you guys have been trying to delay this thing forever and ever. And I mean, once again, here it is, the 11th hour, they're trying to kick the can down the street because he doesn't want to do it. No, I think that, but that that was the ruling on the delay. The ruling on him testifying was apparently he was told you cannot make a political speech. You can only address the facts of the case, and you sure as heck cannot attack the staff, the judicial staff, the court staff, the judge. You can't do this. And Trump said no. And well, and, and if you're his lawyer, you say thank you, judge, because oh yeah, oh my goodness, I mean you just don't need. You don't need that on appeal. That's a court. That I mean, and you and I talk about this. This is not on a TV. This is not with Brett Baird. This is mm-hmm. in court. And once again, the judge, if he really wanted to just kind of be mean to Trump, could have said, okay, fine. If you get out of line once, I'm going to hold you in contempt, and I'll hold you in contempt for as many days as you violate that rule. And Trump, like I said, I think at that point his lawyers would have said, there's no way in hell we're putting you out there because you're going to jail. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think that – the the reality is is that you know, just they did him a favor because he just could not help himself when he's he's going to go talk about how globalists like those globes. <laughs> just well, and the thing is, you have to be careful as a judge in a normal situation where the defendant, in any case, should have the right to handle the case their way. Because otherwise, then you have other appeal issues for ineffective assistance of counsel. But oh my goodness, holy cow! I mean, it's not a TV show. It's not pay-per-view. 
and he's already uh, gotten the fundraising out of it that he intended to by simply saying he was going to deliver the closing. And we should also mention half of his own witnesses threw him under the bus. Half of his own witnesses said, yep, he was fraudulent. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, the 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 entire argument that he's saying is there was a disclaimer on the paper that said, trust nothing we say. That is his only defense he's had. And as the judges said, that's not a defense. He's he's it's going to be pretty impressive as far as a payout goes. The question for you. I mean, how much do you think it starts getting if this this starts getting up there before this actually does some? I mean, I have enough faith that he's got bankrollers left and right. But when you're talking about his personal wealth, if this gets, what, 250, 300 million dollars, that's a pretty big bite, man. Well, I have no idea what he has because, wait for it, he's on trial for cooking the the, the books. So how can you – I have no idea what he has. I mean, that's – and so so it could pinch right now. I mean, he might be running his uh, MasterCard to the max to pay the lawyer fees. I don't know. Oh, he doesn't but pay lawyers. He doesn't pay his lawyers. He's gotten, he, he's gotten this whole thing set up. I mean, I don't – I, I don't know why any lawyer would ever take his case because he's notorious to not pay them. Because oh, you think you're the one who can tame Trump. Lawyers, and I are one, you have a big enough ego that you say, oh, well, I can, I, I'll can. i take care of this. I'll be the one. I'll be on TV next. And, and they can't help themselves either. Well, at least they get the book later. I mean, they, they, they <laughs> do get to write the book eventually. Uh, Jeff, have a good weekend. We will talk to you next Wednesday after the caucus. Uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul, Hour 2, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday. Matt, Brett, Bakken, Greg Bakken going to join us here, coming up here. I'm talking Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who, man. I love I loved Doctor Who. I've always said um, the, the there's, there's a... Um, Funny story here because I was in one of the few markets in the 1970s that tried to – they tried to syndicate Doctor Who, which was a British show. didn't time out, but, I mean, they tried it. And so one day I'm going home, and it wasn't you know Gilligan's Island and Hogan's Heroes and stuff like that, Brady Bunch. It was Doctor Who. And as a kid that was basically tired of the other stuff they were showing – you know, the courtship of Eddie's father. Come on, please. All of a sudden, it was the fourth doctor, Tom Baker, and it was basically his run from robot up to the invasion of time. And yeah, it was spectacular. And I, I watched all the seasons, and then they took it off. And I'm like, what in the world? And so everyone I knew was say, I love Star Trek, or I love Star Wars. And I'm like, Doctor Who. And no one knew what it was talking about until in the early 80s they started airing the Doctor Who's on PBS. And so Friday night, it was Nerd Central. And <laughs> I was sat and watched it. And I loved it. I loved it. I read the books. I loved the, the series. And I've been a big fan ever since. And, you know, of course, they've, it's 60 years. 60. It's been on the air, on and off. I'm curious about who tried to syndicate that show back then. Before PBS, that seems like quite an undertaking for like a non-public PBS-like station. Well, and what it was was it was one of those first times where the show was so popular with Tom Baker, the fourth doctor, back in the 70s. 
it was so popular, and it was. I mean, the writing in that stretch. I mean, Robots of Death, come on, the Seeds of Doom. I mean, I'm running through some of the episodes that they had out there. They just were so good. The, the horror of Fang Rock. I mean, come on. Those are just such great, iconic science fiction stories. It was wildly popular in Britain. And they say, well, if this is so popular over here. And reminder, they'd, they'd just started having success with Monty Python coming over and the movies. And so this was kind of one of those things I think they tried to take advantage of it. I just don't think it, it resonated. It was so foreign and alien and kind of and kind of different at that time. I don't think that, I mean you look at the special effects on them back then it was pretty atrocious, but back then it didn't look that bad and it was so it was just I think it was just such an odd duck of a thing. Reminder, like Star Trek came on out, you know, it kind of ran for 3 seasons and then kind of died and then it was coming back in syndication all of a sudden it became this huge cultural thing and I remember I remember when the first Star Trek movie came on out. And by the way, that movie's got that 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 there's more padding in that and <laughs> as opposed to a gymnasium. Uh, it is it's it's amazing how much padding was in the first Star Trek movie. I mean, Wrath of Khan was such a great much better film. But they, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it just, it, it, that's where I was. And it set me up for ultimate nerdum. But like I said, I mean, here it was in the early part of the 2000s. And all of a sudden, Doctor Who is on the cover of Entertainment Weekly. And there are major stories. And, you know, everyone's watching it. And all of a sudden, I was, I was 30 years, I was cool 30 years before everyone else was. That's, That's like pre, 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 pre hipster kind of thing there. Yeah, I was listening to Rush and I was li- watching Doctor Who. And then all of a sudden I had my moment. I had, hey, ladies, hello, who likes prog rock? <laughs> You're not a lot of ladies at the prog rock concerts. I'm just going to let you know. It, just, it, just, it wasn't a lot of, it was a lot of uh, chicks, yeah, per se. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of dudes getting out a lot of stress. Let's just, uh, just never mind. Uh, hey, are you looking for some new furniture, Brett? Perchance uh, I am not right now. Oh, I think we need to find you some new furniture, though. Oh, what I got do we the, have? I got the perfect place. Uh, apparently, Target is selling off a bunch of their stuff in the city center. Uh, red chairs, red couches, perhaps uh, cubicle dividers with a red stripe across the top. How about a red shopping cart? I want the uh-huh. cubicle divider. I don't want the cubicle <laughs> divider. I d- I wouldn't mind a red couch. Target, come on, hit me up, man. All the above can be found in auction this week at various items at Target's now vacant city center offices in downtown Minneapolis. Plenty of more standard black and gray office chairs. Boo. As well as white filing cabinets and tables in the mix. Because, yeah, nothing says cutting edge than a filing cabinet nowadays. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let me get this right. You want me to take everything off my phone, print it, and put it in there? How about I just put my phone in there? How about I just do that? We'll start. Put, uh, put your typewriter on top of that yeah, filing the, cabinet, too. Yeah, right, right next to the horseshoes. Uh, Target occupied 37 of the 50-plus floors of City Center, according to Target spokesperson Brian Harper Tobaldo. It vacated the building where they leased the space in May of 2021, the downsized and cutting about a third of its downtown Minneapolis office space. It consolidated its downtown Minneapolis office space as headquarters transitions to hybrid work, the onset of the pandemic. Employees. I have a friend who works down there. And they, it's basically this. If and and okay, so I, it's not exactly this. It's something similar to this. I think if you come in three days a week, you get your own office, your own cubicle. If you don't, then you have to share one. 
but that was kind of one of the things because and I have a friend that actually goes into Target and actually goes in because it's it's just better for them to do it that way. So they actually have their own office. That's kind of one of the the trade offs they did. Now they all have to come back. Is they have to come back three days a week? Isn't that wasn't that the story a few weeks back that they they Target wants them yeah, to come at back at least a few days, more three, than one. Yeah. So, uh, needless to say, their their downsizing is your benefit. Who doesn't want Target gear? Uh, it varies from floor to floor. They sprinkled some different unique pieces throughout. The auction is going on floor by floor. The auction this week is in the fifth so far of the series. The items are listed online, but the public can also come and view them in person at City Center from 3 to 6 on Thursday. The auction, uh, The online auction will then close at 11 a.m. on Friday, after the auction is completed, the company will be about halfway through its floor as he expects to do another four or five auctions in the months to come. Most of the stuff has found a new homeowner saving it will end up being from being in a landfill. I, I'm all for that. Um, I'm going to make a guess here that in 50 years, someone's going to bring a Target chair into Antique Roadshow and they're going to go crazy you've got an actual target chair oh there weren't that many of these and most of them they kind of got beaten up and used but where did you keep this one in a hermetically sealed room well you did well there because this red cloth chair roller with a with a with a board that you can write on boy oh boy that's worth twenty thousand dollars now i can already see it i can already see it gonna run down there and make an investment it, 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 tell me I'm wrong, man. I mean, if it's not the the cubicle wall, although God, that would be that would be ultimate. If you went into an antique road show and they had the cubicle wall from a Target in 40 years, where did you find this? What are cubicles? Yeah, that could uh, that could appreciate in value over the years. So yeah. we're going to take you back in time to when offers people used to go downtown. I know. <laughs> I don't know why he's a a 49er, but yeah. There you go. Uh, 952-946. If we should get – we could use some new you know, chairs in here. Yeah. I'm not against it. I guess, yeah, yeah. Some fancy Target ones in here. The red couch would be kind of cool to put in our green room area where people <laughs> wait before the show. Yeah. <laughs> it, w- it would be nice to have a couch here just because there's always that chance as a radio professional that you might end up getting stuck in the station on a snowstorm. And have you ever tried to sleep in – I've slept on this desk before. Delightful. Just okay. delightful. Yeah. Uh nine five two nine four six. We could a, a target come on, Target. We'll be your buddy. Nine five two nine four six six two oh five. Nine five two nine four six six two oh five. Uh some good news. Uh and, and and I'm going to show another bit of my nerd culture history. I love history. And we're writing a wrong here. Minnesota's Upper Sioux Agency State Park will permanently close to the public on February 16th. The state gets ready to transfer the land to the nearby tribal community. The Minnesota Department of Natural Resources announced on Wednesday that will turn over the park built by the notorious site, uh, built on the notorious site of the U.S.-Dakota War of 1862 of the Upper Sioux community by mid-March, completing the transfer ordered by lawmakers last year. By the way, uh, Native American community, obviously it is not my place to imply or even suggest what you should do with it. But if it was a historical site which talked about the insane amount of wrongs done to the Native Americans, I think that that would be a fantastic investment because you need to understand this. The more I read about it, 
the the you know the the clear intent to double cross the Native Americans, the clear intent to hurt these people as much as possible, to 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 run them off their lands, to 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 hurt them, and then and even when they had these treaties, the 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 the, the U.S. government in D.C. knew the Native Americans were getting mistreated, and there were a lot of people that re- expressed some level of regret about that. But at no point did anyone send anyone out here to stop what was going on. And they just stole from the Native Americans over and over and over and over again. It was truly disgusting. And this is, once again, one of the least things we could do is give them back some of the land that they actually had treaties for. The state agency will be in about a month to clear out the buildings, vehicles, and equipment as well. They take down the signs. It's the right thing to do, said DF, uh, DNR Commissioner uh, Sarah Stroman. And the land transfer, the circumstances there are singularly unique. Absolutely. The 1,300-acre park of rolling hills, bent oak trees, and wild prairie flowers opened in the 1960s where the Yellow Medicine and Minnesota Rivers meet near Granite Falls. It has a few dozen campsites, but it's primarily used for day trips with winding horseback riding trails and short p- footpaths. It's a site of the former Upper Sioux Agency, a government-run campus of employee housing, warehouses, and manual labor school. In the early 1860s, the agency was responsible for paying the band of Dakota the money, food, and supplies owed to them under the treaties that gave the United States much of what is now Minnesota. Those payments were rarely made as promised. When supplies were late, the Dakota tried to buy necessities from traders at the agency on credit. They were refused and mocked these even though they approached starvation according to letters kept by the Minnesota Historical Society. In 1862, the Dakota attacked, and the war began destroying the agency. All that remains now is an employee duplex rebuilt and restored decades after the war alongside a scattered brick ruins of the foundations of the other buildings. Kevin Jensvold, chairman of the Upper Sioux community, said these asked lawmakers in the U.S. Department of the Interior for more than a decade to close the park, arguing the site where people starve should not be used for picnics. Agreed. The park is also one of the least visited among Minnesota state parks. It nearly costly. Uh, it needed costly repairs to its visitor center, its main road and access point washed out in a flood and has been closed for several years. You would think that this was being done not because there was, you know, they just hadn't kept it up and they just decided it was the case. I, I would hope that this was more about this is the right thing to do. I think that regardless if it was a brand new building, some of these parks should be given back to the Native American people for goodness sakes. And if I can make a, another bold statement, I've said this about the U.S. park system, but how in the world we don't have a Native American interpreter in every state park Twenty, uh, as long as they're open. If their buildings are open, there should be a Native American interpreter there to talk about the rich, full, insanely long, real history of the Native American peoples on that site. Hey, It's called education, right? We talk about how we want to learn about toads and flowers and trees. Well, maybe we should learn about the people that were there that really did appreciate those lands before they were run off them by the white people. So, I I, I mean, I think we should probably give more of these parks back. I also think that the parks that we do not give back should have a Native American educator, interpreter, however you want to say it, there anytime it's open and we can pay the state, the state can pay that salary and, and, you know, make a lot of good jobs and educate a lot of kids and heaven forbid, heaven forbid the actual history 
get told. Heaven forbid. Um, the park, uh, when the community renewed its request, request, it looked at light of those challenges. It was an easy decision to support. And Pierce, director of the DNR's Parks and Trails Division, said the agency is committed to replacing the park in some way in the Granite Falls area that could come through adding land, other amenities, or existing parks, buying new land to make public, uh, Pierce said. Lawmakers set aside $5 million for the transfer, the bulk of which is being used to replace uh, to try to replace the park. The money uh, could be available if needed. The agency will work with local communities and the public throughout the spring to try to come up with a plan to replace the park. I, you know, it, it is an interesting, I, you know, like I said, I'm going to defer to the Native American community because I'm, I'm smart enough to shut my pie hole. How about I say it like that? I can understand why the Native American community might want to set, shut down the entrance and just say, you know what, this is Native American land. And that's just that. On the other side, I could easily understand if they wanted to open this up and say, let's talk about how absolutely inhumane the white community was to the Native Americans when they were – all the Native Americans were doing was trusting the white population and they should have never done that in a million years. Either way, I'm going to – I mean I'm, I'm glad we're making this happen. I'm glad we're making this happen. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Yes, Rush. Rush, yes, yes. Can't tell you how much I miss this band touring, Matt. Oh. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. The nation and the National Labor Relations Board sided with the union representing baristas in the Starbucks at the Mall of America in Bloomington, blocking some workers' petition to hold an election to oust the union. The action comes as labor regulators review allegations of unfair labor practices by the Seattle coffee giant. The board's decision stalls a counteroffensive by anti-union activists aiming to roll back the victories of Starbucks Workers United – which has unionized more than 375 stores across the country in one of the most high-profile national organizing campaigns in recent memory. While Starbucks Workers Union enjoyed a surge of support after its first union victory in Buffalo, New York in 2021, enthusiasm has flagged in recent months as the workers are still without a first contract while also contending with an anti-union campaign by the company that has included firing union organizers, closing union stores, and giving pay raises to non-union workers. Now, I want to make sure you understand something here. Why do you think this company and other companies are working as hard as they can to kill these unions? Because they don't want to pay livable, fair wages to these people. That's kind of the mentality. And there is always this mentality of, oh, well, you know, it's not that bad. But what I've seen, and I'm not necessarily speaking for Starbucks here particularly, but what I have seen is you will see an instant influx of salaries. And in the, the same company that for years refused to give quality benefits or a retirement program, all of a sudden we got retirement benefits and a and a and a and a and a, and a, and a, and a retirement program and, and and benefits for you. We have all this stuff for you. Oh boy, oh boy, here it is. Don't think about a union. Why do you think they don't want the union? Part of it is 
the mentality that has existed in business for a long time, which is how dare you peasants think that you should have any say in my business decisions. And it is. I mean, it's just, it's how dare you. They love the, 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 there is this mentality in American corporate business that longs for the days of the company town where the company ran the bank and the school and the grocery store and the hardware store. And if you didn't work as, 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 as hard as you did and jump as when they said to jump, if you didn't do that, they would destroy you. They would foreclose on your house. They would grab all your belongings and take them to the city line, dump them out there. They would make it next to impossible for you to get your money out of the bank. They would destroy you. And they loved that because that constant threat to the worker allowed them to abuse the worker. That's why they did it. And that, that mentality has not gone away in corporate America. There's a lot of people that feel as if I'm the smart, wealthy, white male. Let's just be honest. I'm the smart, wealthy, white male. I, don't, I should not have to mingle and discuss business decisions with those people. But it is also one of the things you have to understand is they know they are abusing their employees in a lot of these cases. That's why all of a sudden the purse strings start coming out, whether it's hiring some company for, you know, in some cases, millions of dollars to basically try to stop this union from spreading or shut down union shops, whether it's bringing in ringer employees who are actually getting paid much higher than everyone else to go in there and to basically convince as many other people to get away from the union. Whether that's, you know, basically firing the or shutting down a store and taking a massive loss. Why? Because that's they feel as if that's more cost effective than actually paying their employees a livable wage. That's what happens. And once again, I'm not talking about Starbucks specifically. I'm just talking about what I have seen with businesses that have tried to shut down unions. And they they what they what there's a science to these people to basically just Get that job good enough to where the person will say, well, maybe I don't need the union. And that's it. The reality is, is that the unions are a better, you're going to get better salary, better wages, better benefits. That's just the deal. That's just the deal. And at no point do these companies want to admonish themselves and say, the reason why these unions are taking off in our stores is, is because we have mistreated the employees as much as we have. They don't want to acknowledge that. So there, there is this effort to basically try to kill this off. And if they can kill off all the unions, guess what they can do? Then they can go back to paying you cents on the dollar. No benefits, no retirement. Working as hard and spending this money instead of trying to spend money on employees, spending money to try to lobby the the, the people of Minnesota to basically, uh, you know, let's not have to have sick days anymore. And let's not have to have, a, 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 you know, a minimum wage increase. Let's not do that. Uh, the nonprofit National Right to Work Foundation has levered workers' apathy and frustrations with the union in a national campaign to get rid of the union representation last fall, the anti-union group helped barista Rebecca Pearson and more than half her co-star of the Mall America file a petition with the NLRB asking to hold an election to sever union after the workers voted to join the union. Many of the workers who voted for the union no longer worked at the store. The function of the high turnover com- common in the service industry. Or was it? did the store get rid of those people? 
that's the legit question. I mean, is it is it turnover? It's easy to say it's turnover. How do we know that this wasn't they were just removed? Because that's something that's been Starbucks has been accused of is removing people who are pro union. Um, the National Right to Work Foundation has also assisted workers at Starbucks stores in Manhattan, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh to petition for decertification elections. Uh, about twenty of us have petitioned to oust the union. According to Starbucks, the NLRB generally prohibits decertification once a year after a union is certified, but can it can be extended if an employer refuses to bargain or faces pending unfair labor practicing charges, which is where Starbucks is at. They're trying to say, well, they've had a union for a year. It hasn't gotten any better. Well, that's because Starbucks is trying to rig the system by not negotiating with the union, not giving them a deal. And by the way, it sounds like there are pending unfair labor practice charges against the company. So henceforth there. Regional NLRB offices have issued 127 complaints against Starbucks, including that Starbucks has failed to refuse or bargain with at least 259 stores, including the Mall of America store. In a two-to-one decision on Friday, the board upheld the regional director's ruling denying Pearson's petition for an election. You got to at least okay. You cannot. This is the whole argument. They don't want the union to get a union contract because then all of a sudden, guess what? Hey, well, that actually is a pretty good contract. I don't want to get rid of the union, so they're basically trying to hold off on negotiating with the union and then just say, "Well, see, the union hasn't helped them when they themselves have no intention of negotiating with the union." Um, in a statement, National Right to Work Foundation Vice President Patrick Simmons said the NLRB was ignoring its own rules by trapping Starbucks employees in a union they don't want. But the reality is, is the union, the Starbucks themselves is refusing to negotiate with the union. So henceforth, has the union even taken effect? Let's negotiate some contracts, get some contracts with the union. And then maybe, just maybe, we can have an actual, hey, if you have a contract and you see what the union has gotten and you remember what it was before the union got there, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be a better deal for you with the union contract. Then you can allow that vote to happen on its own merits. Sure, you know, and just this is me making something up. Sure, the union got a $3 an hour raise. The union got health care benefits. The union got a retirement plan and, say, college money. Great. I, you know, I don't think that's worth it considering the union dues you had to pay for. So I want to get rid of it. Then you can have the legitimate argument. Right now, what you're trying to do is fix the argument and say, well, see, they haven't made their lives better because, you know, the company that I'm screaming that from hasn't negotiated with them. Uh, Starbucks, Starbucks Workers Union did not immediately respond to requests for comments. At least negotiate the contract. Then let the people decide. And it doesn't mean you can't go and try to force your way into these these union shops and basically try to shut it down. But if all of a sudden these people are getting a much better quality of life because the union has fought for that, you guys, that's why that's why you're desperate to shut this down before you have to negotiate. My guess is going to be it's going to take quite a few more of the Starbucks stores to unionize before they'll have to admit, well, I guess we do have to do this. And at that point, like I said, I don't know how many anti-union people are going to be against the union if the union gets the concessions that they want to get. 952-946-6205. Ghost Box Radio's Greg Bakken joins us. Not only will we maybe touch on some of the Ghost Box stuff, but hey, it's Doctor Who time. They got a com they got the convention going on in town this weekend. It's the Matt McNeil show right here on AM nine fifty.
Greg Bakken on. If you're not listening to that at 10 o'clock at night, it's fantastic. We'll turn your mic on. There you go. There, Greg, fantastic. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for saying the kind words. A quick note to Brett. Are we broadcasting audio on the stream then? We are, yes. Okay. Dr. Joe might not just be listening to it. <laughs> about that. Uh, you, of course, uh, that, that, what, have you had anything new that has been like, okie dokie, yeah, that's, that's incredible. N- nothing, in- nothing incredible. I think uh, the big news lately has been, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, where uh, people in Miami, at a shopping mall in Miami, uh, th- there's this call for uh, a ton of police officers to come to a mall in Miami. The, the complaint was that people are fighting with sticks, whatever that means. Okay. And it turned into uh, people believing that it's actually aliens there, ten foot tall aliens there that are uh, uh, whatever for whatever reason. That's what the story morphed into. And there I is, like the tall ladies. So, yeah, well, you know, you know yeah, I mean, it, it, I heard, it is Miami. There are very <laughs> statuesque women down there. Well, you know, they, they they like the glam, the high heels. So I'm assuming that's really what it all turns out to be. You know, I believe a lot of crap. Okay, okay. I don't believe this for a second. Okay, if I'm going, if I'm an alien. I'm not going to Florida, okay? Well, if you want to be amongst your own. Well, it's, it's you know, you could hi- kind of... It's <laughs> not that guy with the weird head. <laughs> which, which one? <laughs> I'm, I mean, I kind of get why they're out in the middle of New Mexico. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I can kind of come down, you know, study the atmosphere, what's like some of the, the animal life. Northern Canada, sure, gotcha, no problem. Miami? I don't know. I don't, I don't know either, and uh, it's... There's nothing to it, and unfortunately, I'm still waiting for that moment of like, uh, okay, I can't, I can't say no to this. This is pretty incredible. I was over at Knollwood today, oh, and yeah. there was a ton of police cars. Could have been tall aliens. I, I don't I, know. I don't know. Well, did you see them? No, I didn't see the then, aliens. Then, then probably not. Well, <laughs> I was in produce over at Cub. Oh. I, I was, <laughs> it's not exactly aliens. Ethel was there. She's an elderly woman, and she is, she's a regular shopper. I want to I wanna use that. Next time someone asked me what I was up to, I was at produce at Cub. I was at produce I, I just, I just That's great. I love that. Uh, you and I uh, are big Doctor Who fans. And we've had you on the air to talk about Doctor Who. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. I really do love the show. This weekend, um, it is the they, they've got their little conference in, here in town, the convention, right? Yep, council room over at the uh, what is that the Marriott over by the airport. I got to actually look. I, I you know it's one of those things I go to every year, so I know where it is. Mm-hmm. But what the name of the hotel is, I always get uh, uh, kind of confused about. But it's at the Hilton MSP Airport uh, by Mall of America. So right. yeah. Well, if you want to see aliens, go to the Mall of America. You'll be okay. It's nice. It's, it's nice that they tie it in over there, though. That can we bring in for the tourism? That's for sure. That and also, I mean, they have a lot of guests from the UK that come in, uh, like uh, the stars. Yeah, and we have this year. They have who? Uh, Sylvester in? McCoy, the seventh doctor. The seventh doctor. Remotely, they're going to have Sophie Aldred, who I've. Uh, Interviewed a couple times myself. Mm-hmm. She's she's amazing, and she was in Power of the Doctor, uh-huh. uh, and then uh, Lisa Bowerman, who had been uh, she. If if you only watched the TV series, you'd have seen her on uh, the episode, a story called Survival, the last of the classic series. Yes, uh, she played. Uh, one of the people that were turned into the tigers. Uh, you know, we're we're really talking geek at the moment. Yeah, we're, we're, I, I'm losing your listeners. No, I think. No, you're just you're, it's you're, you're turning into a tiger. 
and then attacking them all in Miami. That's what happened. That's that's really the threat here. Um, Sylvester McCoy, and as a matter of fact, we should remind people as well. Not only uh, some of these guys have had um, you know fairly decent careers, both in. Doctor mm-hmm. Who, outside of Doctor Who, a lot of the, the a lot of the, uh, um, the the guest stars have gone on to ma- major success. Huge. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan was just one of the ones I was thinking about before. Oh yeah. Um, the but the when when I go back to Sylvester McCoy, one of the things that we should remember is he ended up having a lot of success with The Hobbit. Absolutely. And it was in those movies he played one of the wizards in that. He was, and you know, one of the things I really enjoy a lot. I and I think uh, back in the eighties for. A lot of people in the UK, they weren't very thrilled with Sylvester McCoy being the doctor. They mm. just thought that the series – we talked about it yesterday. The series kind of losing the thread, losing its way. I never thought that myself. I love that era. I love everything about it. But there are some things that he wasn't super strong with acting-wise. And now mm. you watch years later in like The Hobbit and other things and it's like – he, he's he's acting along the likes of uh, you know Ian McKellen and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's he he's really come into his own, and it's mm-hmm. been really uh, incredible to see that journey. I mean, he, and I've seen him so many times over the years. He is a ball of energy, and he is a great human being. It, it, it's this is okay. So if you don't know the show, just really quick for you out there, it's a show based in Britain. Nineteen sixty three, it debuts. It's for the most part had a pretty continuous existence. It was off the air for a few years in the early '90s. They did a movie with Paul McGann, came back. Yep. Christopher Eccleston took over as the Ninth Doctor. We are currently at the Fifteenth Doctor. We now. are. Um, when you talk about this, it, it also brought in one. It, there are some classic science fiction tropes that came out of this show. The greatest one is the regeneration that at, yeah. when they, when the actor themselves says, "You know what? I've done this for three, four years. I want to get out." They gave the Time Lords that they play, the Doctor is a Time Lord, this great out which they can regenerate into the next character. It is one of the greatest gimmicks of all time, and it's worked pretty well. Um, I I would make an argument. Sylvester McCoy's problem was not himself. It was was, uh, was, uh, Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor. I mean, I think that one just missed, Mm -hmm. especially coming after the Fifth Doctor. Um, It just – it was – I understand what they were trying to do. Yeah, sometimes you, you you make you know you make you know Johnny loves Chachi and it just doesn't work you know <laughs> right. so and it just it just didn't work and then McCoy I thought I, I think that show would have been off the the air earlier if not for as good as Sylvester McCoy was in that role yeah I mean he he really held his own and you know a little his very quick history on uh, British television uh, they they the BBC put Doctor Who, they changed it from a Saturday night, moved it to during the week up against one of the biggest soap operas on the opposite channel, ITV Coronation Street. Yes. And uh, it certainly didn't beat it, but it certainly held its own against it, which was, you know, like, I, there was a point that the BBC wanted to be done with the show, but Doctor Who fans and, and the public, they still they still would watch it. It was never as successful as, say, Ratings-wise, like the Tom Baker years or whatever mm-hmm. else, but it was still holding its own. And it's truly that uh, wonderful combination of having a series that can be literally about anything. Mm-hmm. It could be literally about anything. And that's when I get confused when you have people who are watching the new stuff now. They may not like it for whatever reason, and that's their deal. But they're like, I need to get back to proper Doctor Who. There is no uh, such. There is no. You know such as well thing. as I know what that's kind of really about is that it's there are people they they with Jodie Whittaker the thirteenth Doctor they basically regenerated into the first non white male Doctor 
and yeah. and I think that there are just it's it's kind of one of those things that you know it, it's it you you've got to kind of get over that hump because the entire concept of it equals that yes at some point here it's not going to be a white man if you're going to just regenerate uh, well and, and that's just it I mean the show is about inclusion yes it's, it's always been regardless of people want to if they want to close their minds to that at that time or not you know you think back to a story called the tenth planet and uh, there there's some astronauts in place in, in space and the the head astronaut he was black and that's groundbreaking for that period of time and even the actor who played him it's just like I I thought that they wanted me to play like some menial role and they had me as the like the lead astronaut mm-hmm. in space. That's what Doctor Who has always I think been at its core. Mm-hmm. And that's what it continues to need to be and and it thre- I think it threatens some people when when you know you have someone like uh in the in those specials those tenant specials you have Rose who's a trans person and that threatens people for whatever reason and that's their problem. Because you have this amazing character who, whether they like it or not, we're going to see more of her in some form in the Hooniverse. Well, and it's also kind of the understanding of when they've had the, the best showrunners of that show, and I think of any show. I mean, we'll go back. Let's go to Star Trek too. I mean, the, the, yep. the whole concept of Uhura that was yeah. that was groundbreaking at it the sure time. Was. And and the reality is is that it was you know, there was someone there, and it looks kind of I hate saying it, it looks kind of pathetic because it's still the one. One black person on the show at that point. <laughs> yep, but at the same yep. time, even putting one on yep. was considered a monumental task. And and so you, the fact that the, the better showrunners of Doctor Who kind of at times sat back and said, well, if we're talking about the future, what is the future? And 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 I think that's one of the great things about the show is it, it goes back in time. It goes it does history things, but it also does great solid science fiction. And I think it's been fantastic. So and once again, for for people out there that are or may not be a Doctor Who fan, I encourage you to go watch it. it. I think it's good. It's now streaming on Disney Plus here in the United States, which I think is a huge deal. It the is. fact that it's now being included in a major streaming service. I mean, the BBC America was carrying it here for a while. Their player just never really took off. So, you know, when you're looking at it, it's it's on one of the better streaming services, which is, I think, an important element of it. Very much so. And, and you know, the thing about that, too, if you look at, you know, what is going to happen, this is fact, just like Marvel, Star Wars. It's going to have it's going to have its spinoffs, and mm-hmm. there there's one that we're hearing about now that has to do with Silurians and Sea Devils. That mm-hmm. uh, we don't know anything else other than that, and that's going to start shooting in March. Mm-hmm. And that's the great thing about it. There's so much, and it the brand is now called the Hooniverse. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, it took off when when they they when they relaunched it back in the early 2000s. Christopher Eccleston was there for one season. David Tennant was wearing it went nuts. Yeah. Then Matt Smith, and then in, in similar casting, I mean, whoever brought in Matt Smith after Tennant was a genius because yeah. that was good. Especially his second season was as good as it gets. Uh, Capaldi was the the was the twelfth uh, Doctor. Um, then they went to, with Jodie Whittaker, and I thought she did a fine job. I especially liked her first season. I thought they had some real tent tentpole episodes in that one, and the idea they brought back David Tennant. Who you know? We're really getting nerdy on you here. He's no longer the tenth Doctor. He became the he became the fourteenth Doctor. That's right. Uh, but he, he, as you know, the same guy 
with the same companion. That's what we're in right now. They went. He did three specials, which were all excellent. Yes. The 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 last one with they brought back the toy maker. Yes. That was as good as it gets. And and as someone as myself who studies British television and uh, is a historian of it, everything to do with uh, uh, John uh, John Logie Baird with the television uh, signals at the beginning being factual, about as factual as you can get. Yeah. I love that. Um, and the toy maker was fantastic doing a dance to the Spice Girls. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I mean, it needs to be said that Neil Patrick Harris uh, played the doctor once before mm-hmm. as Doogie Howser. I'm running my mind. When did he do that? Yeah, he, he, uh, Neil Patrick Harris was fantastic as the toy maker. He played it perfectly. He played yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. They regenerated. Now we have the 15th Doctor, and for the first time, we have an African-American Doctor. Who, who was he? What show was he on over there? Was it Coronation Street? Was no, he was, he was on uh, special education. Uh, and he's oh, he's, that's a, right. he's that's Rwandan right. and Scottish, and uh, Shudigatwa is uh, is his name and uh, we were ta- you and I were talking about it just yesterday how amazing from the moment he takes the screen he's just he's just vibrant and he's full of life and he's just wonderful you have to do it right and i think they have an opportunity whenever they do that regeneration to introduce the new doctor they have an opportunity to really set it off i think going back and nothing against i don't want to necessarily beat up on um Colin Baker, but when he came on and he was this uptight and angry kind of person yeah. that just didn't resonate. Yeah, it doesn't mean that that wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, it, it, it's, you know, and and it just is. It just doesn't resonate. They, I think, they did the absolute perfect thing. This guy is the happy jumping around like a sprite on that in that show. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. I just think that people who uh, – and fans, we, we're very specific. We're very, we like things in its little boxes and stuff watching it. I think you just have to enjoy it. For those who are just like, well, I didn't like this about him. I don't like it. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great – I think it's going to be a great ride. I think it is too. I, I've, I've always – you know, there are people out there who's like, nerd alert. And the reality is this is I want to just you – know, fandom is an interesting thing. For many years, people criticized – Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans and Doctor Who fans, and they criticize fans of any television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. or we could run the Angel that they did, and and they they or, or Friends or anything like this. They criticize you because you get into a pop culture thing. But the same people criticizing you have uh, you know put purple face paint on every Sunday. They they've got <laughs> uh, they've got a, a, an entire room in their house decked out in purple and right. gold. They they they've got 15 different shirt Viking shirts. They've got a purple car. Their their coffin is going to be Viking themed. You know, and they yet they look at us as like, "Boy, you're kind of a loony fan." Yeah, no, I I'm not I mean, I think that there there's nothing wrong with fandom. It's easy to vilify it. But at the same time, I don't think that there's any difference between being a fan of a football team, a baseball team, of Doctor Who, or anything like this. You, it, you found something you resonate with and you enjoy. My kids, we watched together, the, and which I cannot believe I was able to do that with my young kids, the 10th Doctor, the 11th Doctor. We talk about those episodes yep. still. I think that there is something that if you have something like that and you have a fandom – it creates great family. You create more fans. And in, in the same sense as I like the Vikings because my dad watched the Vikings. Yeah. I love the Twins because my dad watched the Twins. 
I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I think that you, when you get something that's gone 60 freaking years, man, yeah. that is just amazing that you can kind of till that kind of earth. And I brought, I brought a friend in uh, at the, with the first of the specials, uh, The Star Beast, on Disney+. Plus, and I just wanted to get her reaction watching it with her because to many, Disney+, Plus would be the first time they've seen Doctor Who. Was it hard to follow? Did you understand what was going on? And she's like, "No, this is really, really easy." So I and I say that for those who want to check it out in Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Here, yeah, it's sixty years, but it's also you can jump in and you can pick it up. It's not difficult. It's it's eye, good eye candy. It's very well made, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I love Tenant much more this time around than the first time around, actually. I think this was an amazing portrayal of that character. That second episode they did that, that with them and Donna Noble just on the yeah. spaceship, that yeah. was phenomenal. Yeah. That was – because that's just quality acting. Uh, if you want to take someone back, go to the second season of Matt Smith with Nixon in the, the oh, moonshot. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, and there's a there's a preview of something there when Matt Smith says, you know, not the worst, not the worst, uh, not, you know, not the best uh, president. And they referring to Nixon and he goes, yeah, and it's almost like he's saying he knows what's coming down the line in 2016. Uh, so uh, once again, the, the, we have a, so if you see Doctor Who fans, you're at the Mall of America this weekend. Uh, you're seeing people that have got long scarfs, yeah, uh, or, yeah. Or, or basically uh, there is skinny man in sneakers. Uh, if you see any of that, that's that's what's going on. When is that the con- uh, the, the the convention running from? So the convention runs from uh, f- uh, Friday to Sunday, and uh, you can go to council room dot com and also council room on Facebook, and you can uh, still get tickets like day or day passes, weekend passes, I believe. So mm-hmm. and you can see all the stuff. And I, I'm just gonna say real fast, I've been to many conventions around the world, mm-hmm. and council room is uh, such a unique one in the sense that the the amount of detail goes into to making this uh, a, a great convention. I, I get upset that they don't advertise themselves a little bit more to uh, really share out uh, the the work that their their people are putting into it. If you have a chance to check it out this week and do so. Your favorite all-time story from Doctor Who. Oh, my gosh. Okay, i got to put you on the spot. Uh, I, I, got two, I got two off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's cheesy, but uh, it's because it's so early in my watching of Doctor Who, the five doctors. Okay. <laughs> where, where they basically uh, they, they, Tom Baker wasn't really there for most of it. They, as, it's a wax figure of him. As a young as a young kid, they in their, they put footage in of something I've never seen before in my life. I had no idea, yeah. no idea whatsoever. Um, Horrifying Rock. Oh well, yeah. God, pff, come on, man. That's as good. That's, That's Fourth Doctor. But you want to get one modern? What, what's the name of the uh, the Weeping Angels uh, with Carrie Mulligan? Oh, that's uh, uh, Blink. Blink, that's right. Blink, and then also for me, The Doctor Falls. We're talking mm-hmm. about that, uh, the la- the second to last of the Capaldi episodes. Yes, yes. With the two masters. That's right. Uh, if you get the chance, watch Blink, because if, if for no other reason, it will help you understand the entire time travel issue oh, yeah. with this, because no other episode kind of lays it out better for you, especially considering from Kerry Mulligan, who is going to get nominated for another Oscar yep. this year yep. for Maestro. Uh, she is magnificent as all of us trying to figure out what the heck is this all about. It, that Blink is a brilliant episode. It's love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and once again, what do you got on tonight? I have on Debbie Romero. She's going to do one question reading. She's a evidential psychic. 
Okay. It's going to be fun. All righty. Nothing about 10 – I mean, heck, let's – you know, if there are if they're 10-foot-tall supermodels running around Miami, I think you and I need to take our shows on the road <laughs> right, to Miami. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to go back upstairs talk to Chad about it. So <laughs> <laughs> We might be live on the road here soon. Uh, Greg Bakken, Ghost Box Radio tonight. Make sure you're here for that. Let's take a break. Wrap up the show when we do return. It is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, is the Matt McNeil Show. Chris Christie has indeed suspended his presidential campaign. Uh, we heard from um, uh, we heard from uh, Stein last hour about that. So uh, a, a story here, uh, apparently neither Donald Trump uh, nor Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy will appear on the uh, – will appear on the – ballot in nevada their absence has not escaped the notice of the voters in the silver state um the reasons nevadans won't be able to vote for them in their state's primaries because they chose to participate in the state's gop sanctioned caucus instead which will take place two days later so they won't it won't be there but they'll be in the caucus so they'll still be there but they're not gonna be on the ballot for sure sounds like the only one that will be is nikki haley which that will be two days before the caucus so that will actually impact that uh reminder i am not going to be here for the next three days uh once again we got todd mickelson going to be filling in tomorrow and on friday We'll have best of for Martin Luther King Day on Monday. I'm back on a Tuesday. Have a fantastic long weekend. And by the way, Michael Broadcorp will join us next Tuesday as well. Native Roots Radio is up next. Have a good one. We are back on Tuesday. Till then, see ya.